Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Lauren Israel, who is a music industry veteran, and he's worked with the likes of Jimmy Eat World, Plain White Tees. I've got Coldplay here across my desk. I've got Less Than Jake to name but a few of the astonishing artists, and Lauren is here today to share some more information about himself, the industry, uh, his services, the his wisdom, his knowledge uh, so, Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, and uh, I'm ready to be of service. Beautiful. Sounds great. And thank you for joining me in the studio today. If anybody's watching on YouTube, they can see that we are in the same space. So that is uh... <laughs> <laughs> the magic <laughs> of technology. Exactly. In truth, Lauren is actually uh, calling from sunny uh, California, and I am in Canada where it is just finished snowing and it's below freezing temperatures. So, you know, okay. life is fair. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, actually, one of my opening questions was going to be because I don't get um, requests for people like yourself to do interviews very often. So, actually, one of my opening questions was going to be why interviews? I wa- I'm an evangelist for my ideas of how to be successful in the music business. All I do every day is try to make the business of music less a mystery and more reality. And I don't think of myself as a producer as much as I am an evangelist. I believe that there are so many talented and wonderful emerging artists out there who will spend 10 years not knowing why they are not successful. And I wish they would call me. (laughs) I wish they would reach out to me because that's what I've been doing for the last 25 years. And I love doing it. And I love making bands successful. I I know it sounds absolutely crazy, And it's a very lonely place to be, (laughs) but that's what I am. I'm evangelizing, making the the business of music more of a reality and less of a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a really good way to put it because as somebody who talks to bands several times a week for the last few years, one of the big questions I get, Lauren, is how do we make it or how do we do it or how do we get signed? And there seems to be so much of a mystery shrouded in something that, as you put it, should be more of a reality. Like, get your ducks in a row and just go follow the steps, stay in the saddle, that sort of thing. Um, John, you're saying it, right? Yeah. I mean, you're basically outlining very generally what I'm on the phone doing, literally, dude, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day. (laughs) So let me, I know you were in the middle of it, but let me explain something to you. Yeah. If you wanted to be a carpenter, what would you do? You would apprentice for another carpenter and you'd follow exactly what that successful carpenter does. And then once you've done it, 10,000 hours or 100,000 hours or 1,000 hours, you'd know the foundation, you'd know the basics, and then you'd move on and you'd find your own path. If you were a doctor, a medical doctor, you would still have to do the practice 
of medicine. You learn the basics, you'd apprentice or or go into uh, internship, and then you'd become a doctor. But you have to learn by watching successful doctors perform surgery or pull out a tooth. Let me go one step further. If you were a plumber, how do you learn how to be a great plumber? You freaking copy successful plumbers. Okay. Why do artists and bands think they can be successful and duplicate their success without learning and knowing the science of it? It's absurd. It's ignorant. It's ridiculous, but that's what artists do. They think they know what the science and the foundations of success are in the music business, but they have zero idea because they're okay. There may not be a curiosity, or they may want to live in a fantasy, they may want to believe that they could be Drake or they could be Green Day or they could be, you know, Five Finger Death Punch just because. <laughs> I've got talent, Lauren. That's why. You you <laughs> laugh. You That's serious. I know. I've, I've chatted with these people. Like, why can't I get signed to insert here? Nuclear Blast, Warner Music, whatever. I'm talented. Okay, well, it takes more than talent to just get signed to a major label when you haven't put in the work. Not only that, but you have to put in smart work because yeah. there's a, like anything, there's only a certain period of time you could fail. You can't fail for longer than two to seven years or else Makes you sense. have to get a real job, do something real or do something what other people think are real. And by <laughs> the way, let me say this. I think talent is overrated. I think Talent alone doesn't give you, doesn't take you anywhere. You have to have the discipline. Yeah. You have to have the indomitable spirit or the perseverance to get through the obstacles and to learn from your mistakes and to grow. And you have to have an understanding, an understanding of the principles of success in the music business. Uh-huh. If you don't, you will probably fail. And if you don't fail, if you succeed, you won't know how to repeat that success. Well, I think that's the key thing right there that you mentioned, Lauren, is once you know those principles <clears throat> or those rules or however you want to you know, call them, you then repeat them. And Only if you know the science. Yeah, only, only if you know why you got there. Yeah. It reminds me of, because I've chatted with some, some bigger artists, Breaking Benjamin Korn, um, they they knew what they were doing. They had their ducks in a row, and they did it. And, well, now I can mention the name Breaking Benjamin, and everybody in the world knows who they are. 100%. And, by the way, Breaking Benjamin has done it more than once and has a very long career. Not by accident. At all. Yeah. At all. So what I do... And again, I use the word evangelize. I'm really big on that word. I'm evangelizing, taking responsibility for what it is you say your dreams are and find out what it is. And by the way, if you don't call me or if you don't call John or if you don't call your your or get in contact with a mentor or whatever, all you got to do 
is find your favorite band and figure out what they did. Figure it out. Yeah. Ask someone. You can't do this on your own. No band or no artist does it on their own. Yeah. Now, something you mentioned there, especially with Breaking Benjamin, was, you know, it isn't an accident. And I've never chatted with Chad Kroger myself, but in interviews with him, I know that he had dissected it over time and uh, eventually stumbled upon the formula and Nickelback is what it is today. Um, is that basically what it is when it's not an okay. accident? Okay, so you t- you bring up Chad. So I met Chad over a series of a weekend. Very long story, um, but he, he he was managed briefly by a, a, one of my best friends. And I was working with an artist that he was going to sign to his label that was on, oh my God, it was like, I don't know if it was Arist at the time, but it was one of Clive's labels. Long story. Okay. And, and whether you like his music or not, it does not matter. This guy is a song scientist. And coming from a song scientist like me, he knew that he knew all the reasons why a song is a hit. I mean, it was I've never met someone that was as much of a genius and as as uh, socially repugnant as he is. He's a freaking song genius. I've never I'm serious, dude. So there's a reason why at the time his songs resonated because he worked at it. He knew that there are certain elements that every song must have if it is to be successful and the reasons why. So what that means is he he his success level is higher because he's already in it. In other words, if he if he accepts that there are elements to a song that are consistent with 99% of songs and he implements those characteristics, he's closer to success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I saw here, speaking of uh, hit songs and the science of it, you executive produced Hey There Delilah. Is that is that true? Oh yeah. I mean I uh I met Tom Higginson and the band. Well, let me say this. What happened was I was uh working at Capitol at the time and I was always producing bands and I was always helping manage bands even when I was at Capitol. And uh I went on a fanzine and uh there was this band I thought was cool. I didn't really like them. And at the time, they had like a list of all their friends, all the local bands. And then by the name of the local band, the Plain White Tees, it said something like catchy songs. And I remember I went to their songs and I and I fell in love with their songs. Mm-hmm. I found out how to get a hold of one of the kids in the band. And I said, hi, my name is Lauren. I like your music. Can I come and meet you? And uh, I met them. 
I began to manage them, and I produced and developed the first record, Stop, and um, I executive produced the second record with another guy that I helped uh, produce their first record, Ariel Rekshide, who is now a famous, huge, multi... I mean, he did everyone from Madonna to Haim to Adele... Ariel came from a band called the Hippos that I produced and managed and got them a record deal. And so I worked on, I think, three of the Plain White T's biggest records. Wow. Yeah. Now, I guess I'm curious, how much does the band bring in? And then how much, like, is it like a 50-50 where they come in and they're like, this is pretty good, but we need to tweak it here and here and here? Is that how? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And... Each song comes in at different kind of places, and I'm a um, a reflection of the song. And that's not easy. It's not easy for me to be that constant um, confrontational force, and certainly it's not easy for a band to get, you know, confronted. Um, I like to call it communication, but essentially it's it's very difficult. Because nobody wants to be given feedback on everything they do. But that's the reality. I mean, if you go to any kind of record label, any record label, be it, like you said, Nuclear Blast, Sumerian, um, you know, Warner Brothers, uh, whatever, they're all going to have an opinion of the records they're putting out. Why? Because they want to have songs that they know are going to propel their label and their promotional efforts for maximum exposure, whether it be independent or, or major. So I'm that guy. Okay. I think because one of the things I wanted to to establish there is I think a lot of people think that a band goes into a record label and the band just gets washed up and set up and they don't have any say in anything but something that i have found out over the years such as in the case of what you just said there and breaking benjamin is no 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 the band was ready to go they were the ones doing it writing the songs and then they did of course meet people like yourself who helped but if the band hadn't been there to write the songs then they wouldn't have been there let me take it one step further when any band gets to any level of someone else helping them that is a relationship that must be respected, right? Like, yeah. again, let's look at it like it's a business, right? If you own a flower store and you and you have to bring in flowers, so you have to buy flowers from a vendor or a distributor. So you want to have a reciprocal relationship with your vendor or your business partner. When, when a band thinks that they're going to a label and they just now got signed uh, and they, and they want to do things all by themselves in a cocoon, it's never going to work because that's not how <laughs> business is done. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. Nobody in any other business does that. Right. Having said that, in the major label world and some independent labels, you you immediately you get signed and it's euphoric for about a week. 
Then you move to the back of the bus. You move to the back of the bus. And it's incumbent upon you to get to the front of the bus. If you don't, you'll get dropped or you'll get sloughed off. Nobody will care about you. And that's when it that's when perseverance, an indomitable spirit, consistent, disciplined, and prolific songwriting needs to happen to the nth degree. Or else you're just gonna lose that spot because someone else wants to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe because I just saw John Wick, I'm thinking of what they said about him. Focus, commitment, and sheer effing will. Let me ask you a question, John, and let's yeah. just be totally honest. Yeah. We set up this interview, and you probably do several interviews a week, if not more. Mm-hmm. And some are better than others, but you've got to actually get through the interview because in the before the interview, you say, oh, I've got to talk to this guy, Lauren. I've never met him. Is he going to be boring? Are we going to get along? Who is he? Whatever. But you do it anyway, and you do it the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is, is that a lot of times musicians have this idea that they're going to live this Peter Pan life. And that they don't really need to put in the effort because they've already gotten there. But it's not reality. No. Once you get there, you got to work even harder to stay there. (laughs) Very true. I'm working hard right now to stay in this interview, Lauren. Well, I mean, no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. But no, no, but but it's true. Yeah. I mean, you got like. Can I ask you how many interviews you do a week? Sure. Just last week I did 14. Right. It's not easy. Nope. It's not easy being excited, being optimistic, curious, professional. <laughs> then you got to edit it. It's a lot of fucking work. Uh-huh. It is. And sometimes you don't want to do it. And what do you do when you don't want to do it? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, Lauren, not that I didn't want to meet you, but... Today, I had that feeling where I was like, ugh, do I really want to do this today? I could just cancel it, or I could remove it. But you know what I did instead? I You did up, it! I did it. You strapped the fuck up, <laughs> and you did it! Yep. You're, you're laughing, but that's a big fucking move. Yeah. Well, I rest it, my case. I, Bands need to do that. Yeah. And unfortunately, they don't as much as they should. Yeah. And I, I think for a lot of people, they think creativity comes and goes rather than sitting in the chair at whatever time you choose, let's say 8 a.m., and you're going to work on music, whether you get anything done or not, until lunchtime, take lunch, come back, and get back to work on it. And if you have a song by the end of the day, then great. If you don't, at if least... If you don't, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. Mr. Harris, bingo. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, something you mentioned was for the last 25 years, you've been helping uh, artists develop. And I have that here, that you started your own company in 2001. Um, And something else I have is there's a six-month songwriting course. So take us through this stuff. Well, the first thing I do is I ask my artists to analyze Billboard number one songs. And I show them how to do it. It's very, very simple. And I show them that every single Billboard number one song 
whether it be Metallica or Madonna, they all have similar characteristics. Then what I do is I shepherd them and guide them to helping them send me one song or two, two verses and courses every week. They write a song. I give them what I call the Lauren Israel Manifesto. I give them a certain tempo, a certain um, chord progression, a certain idea on how it sounds, the reasons why. And then we find in that six months the nucleus of, of, a, of, a, of a hit song, like something that really is better than anything they've ever done. And hopefully by the end of that six months, they have that nucleus or that song and then they can go and record it. And a lot of times all the bands like Neon Trees came from that from that program. This band that I just produced called uh, The Unlikely Candidates had a number one song called Novocaine in the mm -hmm. country here. Mm -hmm. They came from that program. So that's what I do. Mm -hmm. So when you say it's not an accident, you're truly saying it's not an accident. What I'm saying is, is not only is it not an accident, but all the bands that I've spoken about, Plain White Tees, Jimmy Eat World, The Neon Trees, The Unlikely Candidates, have done it more than once. And that is the big reveal, is that if you can do it more than once, now you're talking. Now you've got something to bank on. Now you've got a career. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now, speaking of which, something um, plain white tees. That was I don't even want to know how old I am right now, but that was a while ago. Mm -hmm. The music industry is different now. Uh, how how does that how does the music industry today uh, build a career for somebody like, say, the unlikely candidates versus the plain white tees? I think they both have to do the same thing. They both have to put out music, put out a lot of music, put out music that 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 fits their sincerity or that they can look back on in 10 years and be proud of mm -hmm. and put out music that 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 is that is widely accepted. They've yeah. got to find what format they want to they want to be big on and they've got to analyze that format and see do I fit this format. Yeah. Um that's how they all do it. That's how every every artist does it. You got to do it a lot, and you got to do it consistently. Hey, sweetie, want to come in? Want to join for a second? This is my son Gabriel. Where are you? Where are you? Hey, Hi, hi, Gabriel. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'll bet. Let me guess. How old you are? Hmm. Ten years old. No, I am. Ten, right? No. Oh, come on. You look like you're 10 years old. <laughs> How old are you? I'm six. Wow. You look so big. My son is in the other room. He's five. Oh, wow. You guys would be friends. Mm -hmm. Best buds. Couple of guys. Yeah, we're in the studio together now. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Are you on lunch, kiddo? I am. Okay, sweet. Do you have any questions for Lauren? He is a very important guy. Not really. Okay. All right. He was an A&R executive at Capitol Records. You could ask him, what does that mean? What does that do? He opened up for Soul Asylum and Bad Religion. You could ask him about that. 
you could. He worked on Jimmy Eat World Bleed American, which is my high school years right there. Really? Yeah. Wow. And oddly enough, even though I'm in Canada now, I was in Arizona at the time. So Jimmy Eat World, that's kind of like local band gone for big. Wow. <laughs> were, were you living in Phoenix or in Phoenix. Tempe? I Phoenix. Would, yeah, Chandler specifically. Wow. Yeah, and I believe. I love Phoenix. You do? Cool. I love it, yeah. Sweet. All right. What else did you say? Tempo, chord progression. I'm sure there's people out there right now listening in who are like, what is the magic tempo? What is the magic chord? Well, the magic magic tempo is about 130 BPMs. That's the magic tempo. The chord progression, I'll tell you the the manifesto, the Lauren Israel manifesto chord progression. The one, the six, the five, and the four of any key. Yeah. And I say this because I've done the research and the majority of the hit songs you hear, despite anything, you know, despite, you know, your, your taste in music, obviously we all like different kinds of music, all have those chords, Mm -hmm. the axis of evil, as some people call it. Some people, you know, it's blasphemy to think, oh, you know, some people call it corny or whatever, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's the one, the six, the five, and the four. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, I just ch- chatted with uh, David, ex-Corn drummer, and um, we got on the topic of tempo because for Corn, and now it's just kind of drilled into his head, he was saying between 94 and 100, if we can get something grooving between 94 and 100, where we know the, the crowd's going to be bumping up and down, that's that's our bread and butter. So he knew what his audience wanted. Yep. And That's del- essentially what we're talking about. Yep. And deliver. I mean, and so if he's not in that tempo, then he's got to work harder on something else. If he's inside that range, that's just helpful. Mm-hmm. So why as artists, do we not acknowledge these things and not even incorporate them? Yeah. I think it's rather stupid. (laughs) Exactly. Sweet. Okay, so Lauren, today we chatted about the science of the music business. We chatted about why talent is overrated. We chatted about the genius of Chad Kroger. We chatted about uh, plain white tees. We chatted about neon trees. We chatted about unlikely candidates. We chatted about the weather in L.A. Uh, We chatted about your beautiful son. We chatted about your beautiful face. What else did we chat about? And Gabe. And Gabe. We chatted with Gabe. Yeah, we chatted with Gabesy. We chatted about the studio. Yeah, we chatted about the studio. studio. There you go. The magic tempo, the magic chord progression. Um, I believe, is there anything that we missed, Lauren, that you wanted to? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to leave this with you. Bands and emerging talent and your friends in corn, you should call them up and say, guys, put your shit into NFTs. Do you know what an NFT is? No. I want everyone in a band to look up non-fungible tokens and tokenize your art, become comic, your music, and everything you can. It's going to be something that you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars on I'm serious nfts the future okay beautiful and i will have the link to your website 
where people can find out more about you, LaurenIsrael.com. Thank you. You're welcome. As well as the link to your services. I I found it on here. Um, As well as, I believe, a money-back guarantee. If I'm not happy within a fortnight, within two weeks, then... Yeah. I give you your money back and a smile. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for my money back. (laughs) Yeah, don't you get Beautiful. Okay. Here's your chicken back, sir. Here's your chicken back, sir. Okay, so we were having fried chicken the other day, and there was a a chicken back attached to one of the pieces. And so I said, hey, Gabriel, here's your chicken back. And he was like, oh, like giving me my chicken back, but it's a chicken back. Inside joke. It's a a pun. I I get it, guys. Seriously, I went to college. (laughs) Oh. Exactly. (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thank you, John. Talk to you soon. Hello, hello, or should I say goodbye, goodbye? Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Metal Podcast. I've been your host, John Harris. Please head over to our website at www.therockmetalpodcast.ca. There you can sign up for our newsletter and find out more information about today's show.